Hello and welcome to Voices in Innovation from Giga Ohm. I'm Johnny Baldisberger, your host, and today I am joined once again by John Collins, our VP of Research and the author of a new report from Giga Ohm called The Key Criteria for Evaluating DevSecOps Tools, an Evaluation Guide for Technology Decision Makers. Snappy. How are you doing today, John? <laughs> I, I'm just fine, and I'm wondering about how we can make that title even longer if we try. I I haven't workshopped it yet, but I'm sure I could. I'm sure we could get it at least three or four lines long if we really, really wanted to. Um, so let's just dive right into it. There's a primer in the report, but for those of out there who have no idea what we're saying when we say DevSecOps, uh, what are we talking about? That, that's, I know people often say that's a really good question um, because they're trying to kind of uh, uh, buy some time. And they also say that's a really good question to me. What an awful question. And uh, who the heck would ask that? But there's a real good reason why that's a really good question because when I wrote the report, um, I came to several realizations, one of which is no one knows what DevSecOps is, but everyone's using the term. It's a bit like digital transformation, only worse, in that it's the kind of uh, process version of it. So digital transformation, you kind of go, yeah, we've got to transform, got to come over digital, yeah, end of. DevSecOps, you go, well, we're doing DevOps, we need to do security as well. Kind of states it. So everyone thinks they know what they're talking about. Uh, but then you kind of drill into it and say, yeah, but what do you precisely mean by that? And without going into the, the weeds of the philosophy of it, I came to a realization halfway through writing the report that there's two things uh, that we're talking about here. We've got the ability to uh, introduce security capabilities into what you're doing with DevOps. So we've got security helping DevOps uh, and reducing risk, if you like. And there you've got things like uh, you know, scanning tools, web application firewalls, uh, uh, application uh, hardening uh, capabilities. So you, you can literally add code into your, into your software to, to make it better, et cetera. All of those things introduce security into uh, uh, DevOps. And uh, you, can, you can add an API to uh, your uh, excuse me, continuous integration, continuous delivery pipeline, and, and, and therefore you can, you can actually instigate a scan straight from your, your pipeline. Uh, so when you do a code commit, for example, you can say scan that and it won't commit it unless, unless the scan works. That's kind of, uh, that, that's DevSecOps helping the development process. But then there's the other aspect, uh, which I think is more important uh, and it's more what is DevSecOps, which is how can you actually reduce the risk across the process? So from a process perspective, what can you do from the very start of the process right the way through such that at every stage you're reducing risk, at every stage you're making your product more secure and better. You're also making sure that developers are working in a more secure way. And um, overall, um, you're, you're, you're achieving um, security uh, in a kind of end-to-end -end fashion uh, across the process. And I came to the realization that some 
principles and some vendor tools can help DevSecOps, but not all of them do DevSecOps. And so the report is about ones that do DevSecOps. And uh, I'm expecting a bit of pushback on that because everyone wants to say, yeah, we're a DevSecOps vendor, for example. Um, but there were 35 different companies that we were looking at, uh, loads of scanning tools companies, et cetera, uh, that said they did DevSecOps. But I've reduced the report to nine vendors that actually do that end-to-end process-based um, security uh, uh, across the pipeline. So I hope that helps. But it, yeah, it's the enablers of and it's the doers of that, that separate DevSecOps uh, uh, grown-ups from the kids, if you like. I think we could probably get uh, voices in innovation. That's a really good question. Shirts made as we, we hear it <laughs> very often on the show. Um, hopefully it's because they're good questions and not, uh, not just yeah. uh, analysts looking at me like I'm on, some kind on, the of, back, uh, on the back, it would have to have, it depends. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned in the uh, the primer section of this report that security can cause friction when you're trying to be agile. Uh, that security often falls by the wayside as you're trying to very quickly leap through hurdles and loops to get uh, a product in front of people and to get the development done. Uh, hmm. At what point in the evolution of DevOps and you know being agile did someone stop and say, "Hey, maybe we ought to be secure as well." Uh, don't you dare say that's a very good question <laughs> so at what point did they um the answer is um everything was going so well um but it was going really really slowly and uh, I, I read a great re report uh, recently about the the origins of restful interfaces so uh, essentially using a HTTP as a, as a transport for uh, asynchronous um, information, text-based information transfer, which is pretty much every API today has got a RESTful interface uh, and it's generated the API revolution, et cetera, uh, which, which is all great, but it was, it's, it was originated as an idea of how to remove some of the slowness in the way that applications used to be built. And the, the phrase that it, it was that it was the the GSD crowd essentially uh, took over at that point. It was the get stuff done is the polite way of putting it. Um, and uh, they 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 essentially blew away the the let's do it all right first time and every time crowd uh, who were taking far too long. And that was back in the the kind of late late nineties early two thousands. And it's about the same time that extreme programming happened, and yeah, the, the agile was a thing already. Let's let's kind of speed up a bit from a very slow start, but it wasn't agile first. Uh, and what we what we saw over the the kind of the first decade of this millennium was this uh, speed is king. Every you know, let's let's get it, let's get stuff done as quickly as possible. And what happens when you do that is. Um, Things like security, quality, they get left. I mean, no one, no one ever wanted to do them anyway. No one ever liked the security teams because uh, security teams <laughs> always come up with problems. They're forever complaining. Uh, and fascinatingly, I, I've never met a security person who isn't paranoid, who isn't kind of going, ah, oh, yeah, you need to understand. Oh. 
and uh, so you've got you've got you've got you've got these people who are kind of going, ah, it's never going to work. It's all going to fail. It's all going to be horrible. You're like, shut up, man. I'm trying to innovate here. And uh, so just this kind of conflict of uh, psychologies. And what's happened over the past ten years? Uh, DevOps was invented in 2008 when the the writing was already on the wall for uh, just getting stuff done without thinking about deployment. Um, and, and that's when the, 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 the Phoenix um, uh, project book uh, came out. And you know, these practices about kind of do, doing it such that it can be deployed uh, was already a good start, but it wasn't doing it so it could be deployed securely. And uh, so securities, the, the security teams have been kind of stuck off on the sidelines for a good 10, 15 years by, by this point. And probably about three or four years ago, what's actually happened, if, if you read between the lines, is that everyone's been trying to do this DevOpsy stuff. Complexity kills everything. So, uh, and I liken it quite often to the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, so, yeah, you got Mickey Mouse uh, creating brooms, and then the brooms start creating brooms, and then you've got brooms everywhere, and you, what are you going to do with all these brooms? And so the, the, the Mickey Mouse is like the, 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 the genius innovator. He's got his magic wand and he's creating all these things, but he doesn't know how to control what he's creating. So no one's wanting to go back to just keep Mickey Mouse in a box and only let him do things uh, between three o'clock and four o'clock p.m. on a Thursday and create you know, utter bureaucracy. But at the same time, you've got to manage the brooms um, and you've got to secure the brooms. And, and so what we're seeing over the past three, four years is it's not, hey, yeah, okay, it's a fair cop. We need to do security. We need to do manageability. It's the same thing with the value stream management stuff. Yeah, we need to do financial planning. What actually happened was that the development teams are going, we can't cope anymore. We're building stuff. It's breaking. We're deploying stuff. It's insecure. We've got problems. Where every, everything's going horribly. We can't deal with this. We've got to... We've got to face up to the, and it's like the four stages of trauma. You know, you've got denial, anger, bargaining, acceptance. So you've got the, the 10 years of denial. You know, security doesn't matter. Governance doesn't matter. None of these things matter. And then it's anger. Like, oh, we've got to yeah, look, at, look at all these issues. We can't deal with that. And now we're in the bargaining phase. Um, and it's, and DevSecOps is all about bargaining. It's how, how, how do we put okay, we've got to put security somewhere. So let's put it right in the middle of between dev and ops. What's that even? I don't know. Let's talk about this. Um, and we'll move to acceptance, um, which is where, yeah, okay, you're a developer. You like creating cool stuff, but you've got to do it securely from the, from, from the get-go. And I'm really excited. I haven't written about this too much in the report, but I'm really excited about policy-based um, processes. So there's uh, the open policy um, uh Alliance language, can't remember OPL, OPA, um, and that's all about creating policies in a, um, a form, that, a readable form. Um, like, for example, who can access the system, um, or can the application be accessed via telnet, or you know, uh, should containers be encrypted? You know, should the communication between containers be encrypted, or uh, how did the GDPR GDPR rules apply, etc. What if you're policy oriented? You can define all of that up front, and then it's so you can get your security teams, you can get your development management teams, you can get your architects together and say, okay, what makes sense 
what are the guardrails? What, do, what are the enforceable criteria for whatever we're trying to build? And then you put those criteria in place and then you just have to keep to them. You don't have to kind of find out later that you did it wrong. And the tooling then can just uh, essentially just be the checks and balances as you go along. So if you do create a telnet into your application, it says, ah, you can't do that. We agreed it back last week. End of. Uh, so we're, we're not there yet. Uh, we're starting to see that, but um, I, I we're definitely at the bargaining stage of the process. Now, uh, you mentioned a couple of things I want to talk about, uh, but luckily they, they kind of tie into the, the big three that come in the key criteria report. The table stakes, the key criteria, and emerging technology. Sure. Um, now, I, I'm not going to spend too much time on table stakes today because I think uh, if you really want to know, know about those, go to gigum.com subscribe to the uh, research and you can read the whole report and you can read the uh, radar when that comes out. Um, <clears throat> however, in key criteria, you have policy driven automation, which you were just, uh, just speaking on uh, dependency analysis, audit reporting. And uh, this next one, which I'm not really sure uh, about it. So maybe you can talk a little bit on it. What is secrets management? I feel like I need uh -huh. that in my life. I'm glad you asked me that question, which is very good, but I didn't say it's a very good question. <laughs> um, secrets management. So essentially, uh, if you have got an API, um, the API, uh, let's, say, let's say you're building an interface to Strava, uh, which is the, the running application and cycling and so on and so forth. And uh, so Strava's got a quite uh, com comprehensive uh, set of things you can you can do through its API. You can you can look up someone, you can find out what activities they've been doing recently, et cetera, et cetera. But in order to access it, you need a username, you need a password, and you need a token. And the the, the token, all three of those, you need to keep secret um, because username and password, obviously, you're giving someone a login. And the token you're giving someone API access uh, via that login. So if someone else used that in order to, to hack, uh, not hack into, but um, uh, get access to, to that particular data stream, and that's just Strava, you could, uh, you get a similar combination if, you are, if you're uh, accessing your bank account or if you're accessing uh, a whole bunch of things. So if I, as a developer, am building an interface using an API, it's going to have bits of information that I need to keep secret. So where do I put them? Um, it, it is the big question. And an even bigger question. So me as a developer, I could be using them. Uh, I could just build an interface to Strava using my own login. I don't want to share that with other people. But more likely is if I'm, I don't know, uh, Pfizer, and I want access to um, uh, yeah, anonymous access to that, that API for hospital records, um, I don't want to give my developers the Pfizer unique login to uh, University of Wisconsin Hospital. Uh, that, that would be crazy. So I need to keep that secret from the developers. They can use the API. They've got authorization to, to use that information, but I do not want them to see what that information is. So then the big question becomes, how can I give developers access to information without them knowing what it is? Um, and that's what secrets management is because I've got, to, I've got to store it somewhere. I've got to upload it uh, to, to the web, wh wherever the interface is gonna be. 
Uh, I've got to um, change it if I need to change it. I've got to kind of deauthorize it, authorize it, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's a complex, it, it's a tiny problem in some ways, but it's, uh, it, 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 it's a feature that, that you need, but it's, it's actually a really many-legged feature because it touches just about everything that we do with APIs. I hope that answers it. That, uh, that is not exactly what I was expecting. I was hoping for more like cloak and dagger, but uh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. No, it's, it's fascinating to me that, uh, and it makes so much sense, but it's not something I ever thought about that you need people to have access to information without knowing that information. It's, it's, it's a, it's a long standing tenet of identity management, which is, uh, so for example, um, your insurance company might need to know whether you've ever had cancer, uh, because, uh, and it's just literally a checkbox. So you might want to be able to say, check my records and see that I've never had cancer, but that's all you want them to know. You don't want them to know that you might've had uh, benign uh, forms of cancer if all they care about is malignant. You don't want them to care about uh, the fact that you had a scare and it turned out to be nothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this, this idea of uh, uh, how you manage private information and yet reveal elements of it or reveal notions within it is, is, uh, is a central, central part of identity management. Uh, but it, it's an interesting, the secrets management question is an interesting one because it doesn't actually, it's very much a piece of a secret is very much a piece of data that developers need in order to build applications. So it's entirely about the process. Um, it's, it's not about, um, uh, you know, you, the security team never needs to know it either. No, no one needs to know this information apart from the one authorized person or the one authorized team within the company that needs to know about the information. So it's very, very much about the process, which is why it was a key criterion in the DevSecOps report. Much like uh, the analysts tell me it's a great question, I always answer with that's fascinating to buy time as I think of my next question. Uh, you recently wrote a report on uh, data centricity and compliance. Mm -hmm. uh, and here in emerging technology, we have compliance support. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a twofold question for you. The first is, what does that mean in a DevSecOps tool? Is that, or rather, how is that different than maybe policy-driven automation? The second part of that is, uh, how is that going to change and grow as compliance changes and grows like as various uh entities introduce new policy or uh new laws that affect compliance mm -hmm. so um I, I was just speaking this this morning actually to to a, a large healthcare organization and the this this is very much an area that is interesting then because obviously healthcare it's all about, uh, you know, obviously, patient data privacy, um, just for the, the principle of it. But then also, there's there's a thousand different uh, uh, compliance laws that you need to to, to hop through. Uh, and we were particularly talking about clinical trials. Um, and um, what they said, and it's something I've heard quite a lot recently, is that the weird thing is, a lot of people treat compliance as something that's it's just about reporting. 
It's literally about, uh, can you prove that you were GDPR compliant last month? So there's a whole bunch of things you need to do, a whole bunch of data you need to pull together, and then you go, yep, there you go. Or if you're in breach, then there's a whole bunch of things you need to do in order to, and so it's literally uh, uh, a database dump job every time. It's, it's, a, re it's a reporting um, principle. Whereas com the, the link between, so laws that we have to comply with are just a set of policies and a set of rules. Uh, a policy is a set of rules, that, that's what it is. Um, if we can get to a stage where we are proactively engaging with what those rules are and why those rules exist, then we are compliant as we go along. And it takes me, when I was a programmer years and years ago, um, I remember uh, my boss going on a course all about uh, total quality management, which was the big thing back then. It show, shows how far back I'm going. Um, and the whole point of that was, you know, you've got to prove at every stage. And it was ISO 9001 kind of stuff. You've got to prove at every stage that you've uh, logged exactly what you're supposed to do uh, in the way that the thing told you to log it. And he said, I don't understand why, why we needed the course, because we do all that stuff anyway, because isn't it normal? Isn't it normal just to kind of, if you're doing it, if, if you're changing the system, you finish, you, you've, you take the change request, you work out what needs to be done. Then when you finished it, you, you fill it in and stick it back in the file. But the, the fact is, it's not, not that was an unusual situation where we had a really good change management system in place. And whereas at the moment we're talking about security, at the moment we're talking, so the challenges that come from a lack of security and how we can fix them. And there will always be people trying to hack systems. There will always be a, a, a very permeable um, attack surface through which people can try and get our money and try and get our information, uh, et cetera. Uh, we can be much, much more proactive uh, at dealing, dealing with some of that. And, and that's very much a, a direction that we're going in. So the, the link, so GRC, for example, the governance risk and compliance, uh, risk is security risk. Um, and uh, the governance and it's, it's all about how we're mitigating things that might go wrong uh, and reducing them to, to such, in such a way that we're either uh, complying with laws or we're reducing the chances of, of losing stuff we don't want to lose uh, or you know, having a breach. So it's all the same thing, ultimately. It can all be defined as a set of rules. And the reason I put compliance as a future thing is as we understand that it is to all just a set of rules, sometimes conflicting, in which case we can deal with the conflict up front as well. Uh, the more that we realize that, the more proactive we can be, and therefore the less expensive it becomes to, to dealing with the challenges and addressing them. Um, there's a, 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 fin a final two thoughts on that. One is I know in the, the finance industry, they're looking more and more at, um, you don't have to kind of do a compliance audit with, with results. You have to just give an API onto your data. So just show you're compliant, real time, all the time. That's a really interesting direction, um, which is, is is really scary as well because uh, there's a the, the audits give people a chance to actually get compliant because most of the time they're not. The other thing is in in, in Austria, for example, they're actually having uh, the compliance, the legal uh, le the legislators working with companies 
to work out what compliance means. So that thing I said about a collaborative approach to policy, they're doing that at government level in, in Austria uh, on an, uh, a lot of the reg, reg tech, regulatory technology side of things is, is um, addressing what's coming out of there. So, so this compliance oriented uh, world uh, we've always got complexity to deal with. So I'm not saying we're going to end up in this kind of nirvana uh, green landscape of uh, everyone just does the right thing first time in the future. But equally, our systems are more and more moving towards a state where we could be defining things up front, which is a much better place to be than always locking the door after the horse has bolted uh, kind of state that we're in at the moment. That was a lot of information very quickly. Security is always a fascinating topic of uh, conversation for me because it's something I'm really concerned about and something I, I've had a long interest in and something I'm, I, I feel everyone, including myself, needs to always work to be better at. But uh, thank you so much for joining me today, John. I know you have a, another meeting you have to get to in the next couple of minutes. But for everyone out there, uh, go to gigom.com subscribe to the body of research. You get access to every report we've written by every analyst on pretty much every topic under the sun in the IT tech industry for all your future forward advice. You can come to gigom.com. You can find our webinars, our blogs, our podcasts, our reports, all of that there. John, thank you so much for coming on today. No problem at all. And to everyone else out there, thank you so much for listening. I'm Johnny Baldisberger for Gigaom, and this has been Voices in Innovation. Just listen.